So I just want to make sure I'm not misunderstanding what you're saying. I don't think that I am. I think you're saying you want a negotiated settlement to what's happening in Ukraine. <laughs> right. And we made it. As you know, initially, the president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate to allow humanitarian material to get in. I talked to him. I convinced him to open the gate. I talked to Bibi to open the gate on the Israeli side. I we prepared the huge document in Istanbul that was initialed by the head of the Ukrainian delegation. He affixed his signature to some of the provisions, not to all of it. He put his signature and then he himself said, we were ready to sign it and the war would have been over long ago, 18 months ago. <laughs> However, Prime Minister Johnson came, talked us out of it, and we missed that chance. Well, you missed it, you made a mistake. What's going on, guys? We're going to try this again. So I listened to the full Tucker Carlson, Vladimir Putin interview. When I went live yesterday, I didn't watch the whole thing. It just came out. So I tried to find a few clips, let people know and react to them live. But since I watched the full one, I'll give my full analysis. And I found six to seven clips that I found interesting that I didn't play last time. So that's what that show is today. And I figured I'd throw on Donald Trump and Joe Biden uh, at the beginning just to give you guys a little bit of uh, entertainment slash I think the takeaway a lot of people are having, honest people at least, is that our leadership, especially Joe Biden, the president right now, it's just kind of embarrassing. It's embarrassing to have such a old leader that isn't eloquent or thought thoughtful in how he speaks. And, uh, you know, I got a lot to say, but Dream Rare podcast today starts now. And I hope you guys enjoy. It's the Dream Rare Podcast, welcome to the show The way to get the news at the desk or on the road Let's go, God is great and success in our control The world is crazy but we get better from obstacles, yeah What's going on everybody? So today I want to give a full breakdown But I'll summarize it before I play my seven clips So, you know, the first 20-30 minutes I apologize for saying it was boring yesterday I should have found a different word It was just the interview just came out and I didn't want to just play clips of him explaining history. So I tried to find interesting clips. Listening to the whole thing in full is a little slow at first, but everything that Putin says, whether you like him or don't like him or disagree with him or agree with him or whoever you are, he's very thoughtful. That's the first thing that I noticed is like everything he, he pauses, he thinks, and then he explains. Um, very very thoughtfully about every question, whether it's like, what does it mean to be orthodox or, you know, how did this happen? He's not stupid. He's not just like saying a buzzword. It's not like a, you know, he's trying to role play Martin Luther King or something like a lot of politicians do now. They think they're some sort of like historic activist when they're just, you know, saying these platitudes and phrases. So that's kind of before I get to my real breakdown of it, that's my overall thought. I was like, wow, you know, it's clear why they didn't want people to see him because whether you believe him or not or agree with him or not, the thoughtfulness and kind of the tact of how he speaks and thinks is on another level than American politicians. Like American politicians look like, uh, I don't know what you could even compare them to, but it's embarrassing that our leadership is so like stupid and, and fake and weird. But anyway, here's my first, the first clip that I thought was really interesting he said that Tucker Carlson tried to join the CIA 
and the CIA didn't let Tucker Carlson in. Once again, I don't know if this is true or not, but it was pretty gangster. Like he just said, yeah, didn't you didn't you try to join them? And then Tucker kind of looks at him like frozen. It's pretty interesting. With the backing of CIA, of course, the organization you wanted to join back in the day, as I understand. We should thank God they didn't let you in. Although it is a serious organization. I understand. If you notice when he said that, Tucker kind of like nodded his head a little bit. Like he looked at him like that and nodded his head. So I don't, you know, he didn't shake his head. He he like pretty much nodded it and looks a little shocked. I don't know. That's it's a pretty bold statement from Putin. What do you guys think? I'm not familiar with the mainstream media space by any means, but uh, as far as what it's like to work in there and do all that stuff, but you would assume that a decent amount of journalists probably work with the government at this point. I think it seems pretty obvious. Um, there was one guy at MSNBC, I think his name was like Mehdi Hassan or something. Was it Mehdi Hassan? I don't watch TV, so I'm only kind of catching the outskirts and the shrapnel of what happens with them. But, um, you know, he strayed from American foreign policy. American foreign policy is, of course, almost in complete unison, support, give funding to Israel. And he was kind of taking the Palestine side. And then he disappeared from television for a few weeks, came back, and I think they fired him or he left. So it's like, I know, I'm not saying that everybody at, first of all, let me just so this doesn't get misconstrued. I'm not saying he's a good guy. I'm not saying I agree with everything he says. I honestly can't stand the guy, but that seems how it works at MSNBC and Fox. You don't really have people that disagree with the foreign policy of America. They pretend to, they'll, they'll go on like, you know, really extreme cultural issues. Like if you watch Fox, they'll tell you there's only two genders, which is true. And then when you go to MSNBC, they'll be like yelling about like conservatives and, and, and they'll convince the public. And this is part of the problem, I think, in America. They'll convince the public that they're really on your side, whether it's MSNBC and Rachel Maddow and this guy. But they almost all share the same foreign policy and overarching policy. And when you don't, like Medias on at MSNBC, not saying he's a good guy or good journalist. I'm just saying his foreign policy was not in favor of Israel and uh, the American foreign policy. Now he's not on that station anymore. Tucker Carlson would question the war with Iran. Tucker Carlson would question a lot of wars. He was the only one at Fox News that really had a deep thought process when it came to it. Sean Hannity is just like throwing footballs and saying whatever the military industrial complex wants or, you know, he'll side with Trump sometimes and seem cool. But Tucker was a real thinker. They don't really allow real thinkers on television. So one way or another, I don't know who's pulling the strings or what's going on. And honestly, I don't really want to know because I'm sure the more I knew about it, the more it would creep me out. But him saying that Tucker tried to join them and Tucker kind of nodding his head was interesting to say the least. This was probably the biggest bombshell, no pun intended, of the interview. I mean, there were a lot. It was definitely a fascinating interview. But Tucker Carlson said, who blew up Nord Stream? And Putin said, uh, you did. Who blew up Nord Stream? <laughs> you for sure. I was busy that day. <laughs> Nate, it, do you have, do you have, <laughs> uh, I did not blow up Nord Stream. Uh, <laughs> thank you, though. <laughs> you personally may have an alibi, but the CIA has no such alibi. Did you have evidence that NATO or the CIA did it? So, yeah, obviously you could watch the full interview if you want to hear his answer. But he, you know, he said, you blew up Nord Stream. And Tucker said, I was busy that day. 
interesting that they could laugh about such serious topics as as a blowing up of the pipeline. And if you listen to further, he said, well, who benefits from it? You know, this happened one day. The I think it is it the biggest, uh, you know, pipeline. I think it's one of the biggest or they were building a new one and it exploded, you know, mysteriously one day. And I don't know who the American media even said it was. Um, who did they blame for it? Like someone blew up their own pipeline. It was a terrorist. I don't I don't really pay attention to like mainstream narratives anymore because I know they're mostly just running me in circles. But um, that was a big one for sure that happened and uh yeah i don't i don't see who who would do that they did it to themselves like what let me know in the comment section what the mainstream american media even says about that because honestly i don't i don't even know third clip i wanted to play real quick before we go through the summary i got seven of them is he talks about the u.s dollar and before i do play this clip you know, I'm an American citizen. Yes, I understand that the banking system's corrupt. Yes, I understand the US petrodollar is probably not the most ethical currency of all time. But at the end of the day, I am an American citizen. I use petrodollar. I don't go to the gas station and fill my car up with Bitcoin. And I don't have an Elon Musk electric vehicle that I sit for 45 minutes and convince myself that I want to do that when in reality, nobody with a Tesla really wants to sit there for 50 minutes. That's just the technology. I'm just joking because I know I have Tesla friends where they're like, you know, when I sit and I power my Tesla, it's me time. I, I, I like the 50. I'm like, you don't like the If they have a sauna, a steam room and a hot tub, then yeah, I'll enjoy my 50 minute charge. But if they don't have that available and I'm just sitting in my car, Let's not kid ourselves. It would be much easier to just leave in two minutes, but you can't. So then you can <laughs> you convince yourself that it's you time. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, I don't fill up my car with Bitcoin. So I want the U.S. petrodollar to do well or else I'm going to be broke. And everybody that says otherwise in this country, it's like, yeah, I get it. I, at some point, the system does need to change. And, you know, we do need to fix stuff internally and externally. But at the end of the day, you know, are we really going to sit here and kid ourselves and be like, yeah, we want the petrodollar to collapse. Why? So we could all be poor, uh, you know, unless you you have other assets, maybe you have gold and stuff, which is awesome. But, you know, I'm not really looking forward to the collapse of the American empire. I'd rather save it and fix it and make it more ethical. And he's talking about his opinion, of course. I can't, you know, only time will tell. America starting this war with Russia, or you could say Russia starting the war with Ukraine, whether you want to say it started in 2014 or when he invaded. And he said, all these actions you're taking is forcing other countries off the US petrodollar. And it's only hurting your people. It's hurting your currency. And he's like, does anybody see, see this? And uh, here's the clip. Today, 34% of our transactions are made in rubles and about as much, a little over 34% in yuan. Why did the United States do this? My only guess is self-conceit. They probably thought it would lead to full collapse, but nothing collapsed. Moreover, other countries, including oil producers, are thinking of and already accepting payments for oil in yuan. Do you even realize what is going on or not? Does anyone in the United States realize this? What are you doing? You are cutting yourself off. All experts say this. Ask any intelligent and thinking person in the United States what the dollar means for the U.S. But you're killing it with your own. Now, two things. One, we'll see what happens. I know the U.S. dollar is still doing really well. The American quote unquote deep state, I think, has a lot of tricks up their sleeve with how to keep the currency afloat. 
And, you know, so far I've heard all the doom and gloom stories. It seems like it's doing well. The U.S. dollar is still crushing almost every currency. And if you look at trends over the last year or two, the American petrodollar is doing well against almost every single currency on earth. I don't just listen to people I watch, but you know, it does make sense if, if what he's saying is true, which most of the stuff is searchable. Like a lot of countries are now starting to not use the U S petrodollar because they don't trust the United States. If that's the reserve currency and they're using it for gas transfers, et cetera. And you look at how America operates and we put sanctions on Russia, even under Trump, who I think did a way better job, you know, his he's he's a very smart leader in the sense of he knows how to uh, finesse a situation. But when the media used to say, oh, Trump is so easy on Putin, he's so easy on Putin. You could look it up. I believe Trump was putting stronger sanctions than Obama on Russia. It's just Trump is better at like finessing it and negotiating um, and talking rather than just. But but it's like. You know, if America controls a lot of your economy and then they're just constantly putting sanctions and constantly starting wars and constantly overthrowing leaders, allegedly, possibly in other countries that they don't like, you know, at a certain point, I think other countries are getting off like, you know, they forced Russia off the U.S. dollar with escalating or you could blame Putin for that. But either way, Russia's getting off. They're going on to China's currency. They're trying to create that new what's it called? BRICS. Other countries are starting to look towards it. Some aren't, some are, but uh, you, you do see that trend. And before I play the next clip, this is what bothers me among a lot of things when it comes to American press and American media and politicians. They'll say, don't listen to this interview. Don't think about it. You know, how dare you, whatever, who, who cares? Um, Putin, although I don't agree with everything he said, because there were some things where I'm, you know, I know enough where I could counter it if I want to. But he doesn't talk to me like I'm stupid. He doesn't talk to Tucker like he knows people are going to listen to this by the millions. He's not talking to everybody in the world like we're so dumb. He's like making sense most of the time and then being like, think about it, do this. The way that American politicians, American media sources, other world leaders talk, they talk to us like we're stupid animals, in my opinion. Like they're just like so dishonest, so fake. And then instead of intellectually stimulating me or being, remotely honest they kind of just try to like veiled threat you like you can't do that you can't think that instead of trying to convince me like oh you're right you're moral i'm not stupid most people are not stupid actually maybe most people are stupid i'm not really sure but let's just say half the population is stupid and not paying attention the half that isn't let's just say that they're not. <laughs> you know it's like let me know why we're right let me know why we should fund Zelensky. let me know why we should fight this war if your best is basically bail threatening everybody and being like, oh, we're going to send troops there if you don't do this and this, it's like, it's so clear that what they're saying and what they're doing are two different things. And I'm obviously Putin is shrewd. He's smart. Intelligent people know how to finesse situations as well. Not asking everyone to fully agree with him, but, you know, he talks as if he's somebody that's thoughtful, strategic, explaining all elements of it. Like, here's the history of it. Here's why I did what I did. Here's the 300-year history. Here's the 200-year history. Here's the 50-year history. Here's the 10-year history. Here's what happened. Here's what I've seen historically, and this is why I did what I did, and I'm always willing to negotiate, and I'm willing to negotiate today. That's what he says. Listen to the other side. Does the other side of that conversation strike you as, oh, they're being so honest. They're being so moral. No, they're just sucking money out of us and then basically veiled threatening us that if we don't do exactly what they say, it's like we're being held for ransom. It's like, here, 
you want a border in your country? Well, you need to fund $15 billion to this country while we're passing speech laws for that country. And we're going to give $60, $50 billion to Zelensky. And then you could get your border. And then it's like, well, we want the border. And they're like, actually, forget it. Let's just give the money over there. And not like, clearly, whoever runs America hates America. Has nothing to do with Putin really has nothing even to do with Trump. The media just used Trump for five years to confuse people. And I think he confused people on both sides. But for the sake of this interview, the people who hate Trump are the most confused. Like, do you even know why you think what you think in Ukraine and Russia? A lot of it has to do with like media narratives around like, oh, he's a dictator with Trump and Putin and we're doing this. It's like, do you even know why you feel that way? Do you even know why you're wearing four masks on your head? Like it's a freaking dunce cap or whatever. Like, it's like people can't think anymore. There's so much propaganda in this country that people's brains are scrambled. Um, but yeah, he talks very thoughtfully. And I mean, it just shows you how far America's fallen that for whatever reason, we can't elect an intelligent leader to at least talk in a way that makes me not feel like they're, they're mocking us. Um, here's the part. I think Tucker threw a bone because, you know, he's doing this interview. It's very ballsy of Tucker Carlson. I would say this is going to be definitely the most important interview of the year so far. I doubt it will be beaten, but uh, you know, he doesn't have to do this. He could easily ride off into the sunset with his money. Like Tucker doing this, this is a ballsy interview, whichever way you want to twist it. And uh, you know, if you're going to go in there and talk to Putin, I think as an American, you do want to do something for your country. I'm not, I mean, I think this whole interview is a service of our country, but like more than anything, but you know, he threw a bone to the mainstream media and he threw a bone to even probably the intelligence communities because he tried to get a journalist freed who's who's in jail. So I thought this was very crafty of Tucker. And I thought it was a very good move because even like New York Times is giving him good press about this, you know, going in there and not just giving a super softball interview by any means and, and kind of trying to get an American citizen home. This was definitely a cool bone that Tucker threw to our country. I just got to ask you one last question, and that's about Evan Gershkovitz, who's the Wall Street Journal reporter. He's 32, and he's been in prison for almost a year. And I just want to ask you directly if, as a sign of your decency, you would be willing to release him to us and we'll bring him back to the United States. We have done so many gestures of goodwill out of decency that I think we have run out of them. We have never seen anyone reciprocate to us in a similar manner. However, in theory, we can say that we do not rule out that we can do that if our partners take reciprocal steps. What makes this difference is the guy's obviously not a spy, he's a kid, and maybe he was breaking your law in some way, but he's not a super spy and everybody knows that and he's being held hostage in exchange which is true. With respect, it's true and everyone knows it's true. So maybe he's in a different category. Maybe it's not fair to ask for you know somebody else in exchange for letting him out. Maybe it degrades Russia to do that. He was receiving classified confidential information and he did it covertly. I mean, this is a 32-year-old like, newspaper He committed something different. He's not just a journalist. I reiterate, he's a journalist who was secretly getting confidential information. I do not rule out that the person you refer to, Mr. Gershkovitz, may return to his motherland. By the end of the day, it does not make any sense to keep him in prison in Russia. I hope you let him out. So I feel like that was Tucker's moment to really, you know, do something adversarial to Putin. And, you know, he was kind of giving him some condescending jabs like, oh, you know, it's weak. Of, I forget exactly what he said. I mean, you just watched it, but it's like, you know, it degrades Russia to not let him out. Like, you know, we shouldn't, 
that's Tucker trying to negotiate to free an American journalist. It's a good move. I mean, if you're going to go in and interview Putin, in my opinion, you're going to get smeared. They're going to be pissed at you. The least you could do is try to free an American journalist and get the press off your back a little bit. So I thought that was cool. Maybe Tucker knows the guy. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he was a spy. Maybe he wasn't. I have no idea who to believe or what was real, but I thought that was a cool move and I and very respectable and smart of Tucker to do that, in my view. Let me know what you think. Um, this next clip, he asks him about what Chuck Schumer recently said. And recently, Chuck Schumer said, Americans should want to fund Ukraine because if we don't keep funding them, we're going to put American troops on the ground. I don't hear that as like, oh, let's fund them or else. It almost seems like a, you better do this or else, you know, American citizens are going to die in Ukraine. Um, and with Schumer and all these American politicians, like people, some people are dumb, but a lot of people are increasingly getting not dumb. And like a lot of people are catching on because it's so obvious, like even people that didn't get it five years ago are getting it now. If you guys built, and this is Democrats, Republicans, but especially Democrats, if you guys built a wall and we're like, okay, we understand, even if you disagree, say, hey, we want more immigrants and we want to be diverse, but we can't leave the border open and we can't have millions of people pouring across our country, then I would think that you are in good faith because there's going to be ideological differences in America, right? Some people are going to say, I don't want too much immigration. Others are going to say, I want a lot of immigration. Some are going to say, I want high skilled labor. Others are going to say, let everyone in. Others are going to say, hey, we're full. We have homeless crackheads everywhere. We, we don't have room for anybody. We got to fix our own country. There's going to be discussions about immigration, culture, et cetera. But I know the Democrats and people like Chuck Schumer, they're not doing it in good faith because they're not saying, hey, this is good for everyone in this country. I just read this story of this young Hispanic girl who got raped by some illegal immigrant, like disgusting stuff. And I'm not saying like, oh, every immigrant's doing that because they're not. But, you know, when you let millions of people across the border and you have no idea who they are, it's a terrible idea. And there are real life consequences to this. The amount of bad things happening are going to increase. Everybody's getting robbed in this country. I just saw somebody get their car, their truck stolen out of their driveway. Like, I'm not saying it's all illegals, but we don't have a real country anymore. We have our own problems. Chuck Schumer and the Democrats, they don't try to fix the problems and say, hey, we fixed the problems or we're trying to fix the problems or we're prioritizing the problems. And now we're going to give money to another country. Then I would think it was in good faith. I'm not stupid. I know it's not in good faith because you have the Democratic Party saying we need to give uh, money to this country. You have the Republican Party saying, no, 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 we just need to give money to Israel. And both of them are willing to do that before they fix the border. And for Republicans, I'm just being very clear, and I talk about this a lot. I'm tired of people calling me and others anti-Semitic for saying, listen, we can see that you prioritize that over the border, that over free speech, that over the First Amendment. That's the, part, that's the problem. I, I can't speak for everybody because there's some weirdos out there, but for me, my problem is I'm an American citizen and I see you upending the First Amendment. I'm an American citizen and I see that you don't care about this country more than that. It, it's the priority level that is bothering people. It's not the hate in their heart. It's not all this other stuff. It's the priority level. And it's like either you get your priorities second, third or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh with the Republican Party or you get them last with the Democrats. And it's so obvious that these actors and puppets and pawns don't really care about us. But it's the dynamic between Trump versus not Trump, left versus right, that keeps people in this spiral of not being able to see this stuff clearly because it's so clear. If we actually cared about ourselves, then we could have this d d discussion about all these other problems. It, it would make me know that this is in good faith. But it's so clear that American politicians are not in good faith. Anyway, here's Tucker Carlson asking Putin about 
what Chuck Schumer said. One of uh, our senior United States senators from the state of New York, Chuck Schumer, said yesterday, I believe, that we have to continue to fund the Ukrainian effort or U.S. soldiers, citizens could wind up fighting there. How do you assess that? This is a provocation and a cheap provocation at that. I do not understand why American soldiers should fight in Ukraine. There are mercenaries from the United States there. The bigger number of mercenaries comes from Poland, with mercenaries from the United States in second place and mercenaries from Georgia in third place. Well, if somebody has the desire to send regular troops, that would certainly bring humanity to the brink of very serious global conflict. This is obvious. Do the United States need this? What for? Thousands of miles away from your national territory. Don't you have anything better to do? You have issues on the border, issues with migration, issues with the national debt, more than 33 trillion dollars. You have nothing better to do, so you should fight in Ukraine? Wouldn't it be better to negotiate with Russia, make an agreement, already understanding the situation that is developing today, realizing that Russia will fight for its interests to the end? And realizing this, actually return to common sense, start respecting our country and its interests, and look for certain solutions. I mean, that's why they don't want you to hear this guy talk, because he's sounding very common sense driven. And here's how you know America's not in good faith. I'm an American citizen. I like America. If it's America versus Russia, this is my homeland. America's my motherland, not Russia. Never been there. I'm not even Russian. Just saying. Um, it's so clear our country doesn't care about global security because we don't even care about national security. So if Putin said America doesn't care about global security and China's more honest, and, and then we, we said, no, that's not true, it would be more believable that it's not true if we showed even half an ounce of respect for our own country. They have illegal immigrants coming over in some sort of like dinky banana boat right in La Jolla, right next to a military base. And they can't even stop that. Say what you want about China and Russia. I don't envy their culture. I don't envy their people. I'm a proud American citizen. But is is the border of China open? Is the border of Russia open? Do they hate themselves? Are they trying to change the gender of their four-year-old kids? Are like, you know, these basic things where you're like, oh, is or do these countries hate themselves? I'm not saying they run it perfect. I'm not saying I want to live there. I don't. I like this country. I appreciate it. I want to make it better. With that being said, the proof. If you look around, China's borders are closed. They don't allow illegal immigration. They don't even allow that much legal immigration. Same with Russia. You know, he said at one point in Russia's history that they always thought about who they brought here. He had a really eloquent, very, I don't have it, but you could listen to it, very intelligent response to what does it mean to be uh, orthodox. And he said, you know, we got baptized, et cetera. But then he said, this country's open for religious freedom. But we think about who we bring here and we always have. So he's like, when, when you do immigration, you have to think about what people are you bringing to make sure that they fit into the motherland versus just like a free for all of people that don't consider America their motherland. And that's what's happening now. At a certain point in American life, you brought in people from, 
I don't know, all over the world, but a lot of parts of the world. And this idea was America's your motherland now. This is your nation. You're coming to America to be American. Now we don't have that same culture. We don't have that same policy or philosophy. And people are coming to America with no loyalty to America. I mean, a lot of people. So he he's so thoughtful in how he answers all these questions. And it sucks because you know, they're going to try to make it seem like you're such a horrible person if you even consider anything that he said. But with me, it doesn't, it has nothing to do with liking Russia, has nothing to do with liking or trusting Putin. I'm none of those sorts. It's just how can America say that we care about global security? We care about the security of the world and making peace on earth and whatever. How can we look anyone in the eye and say that we're trying to do that when we're not even securing our border. There's no possible way you could secure the world if you don't even care about your southern border. And almost none of them do. And the ones that do in Congress, it's like they're holding us for ransom over. We care about it, but we need to give money to other countries first. That's the only way. Why is that a negotiating tactic in Congress? Why is Congress so sold out that the do other countries do this? You know, does, does any other country in the world say, hey, we need to give money to America and, and do things for them and then we can then we could fix ourselves? No one else does that. Everyone. I mean, except for like the European countries that have been conquered and run through. But besides that, it's like any serious country. I, like I wouldn't wish it on anybody. I wouldn't wish it on any country in the world that they have to give money and do stuff for other countries a thousand times before they even think about securing their own border of their own country. So you know, the sad part is it's not hard for people to understand what's being said here. And it's not because they trust them and it's not because they like Russia and it's not because of all these BS straw mans that they're going to use. It's just because the proof is in the pudding that our country doesn't care about our country. And that's why, you know, and I, once again, I have to just say this because I, before I play another clip, I'm not Chinese. I'm not Russian. I don't envy their culture. I don't want to be them. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of Xi Jinping or Putin or anything. That I don't have pictures of them on my wall. Don't care. Don't care about them. I'm American. But with that being said, Amer uh, China and Russia are the biggest threats to whatever the West claims to be now because they're very powerful. They're very rich. They're very. Their economies together are huge. They have massive military power, um, and they're not doing everything that we want them to do. But at the same time, it's like, why do we have to fight them? You know, trying to fight them off of pretenses that don't even make sense. Are they helping our country? Maybe. But like, it's probably pretty easy to get along and figure stuff out. But we have to be a little more honest. I, I know for a fact that, you know, they're massive threats to the American way. But their borders are secure. So it's not that I fully trust them, but if, if they can secure their own border, it makes more sense that they'd want to secure the world and make it more peaceful than a country that isn't even it, like, look at America right now. Everyone's getting robbed at like crime is rising in so many different places. Like, how can we sit here and say we want the whole world to be safe and secure when our own country is not even safe and secure? And it's it's clearly getting worse to anybody with two eyes or even Stevie Wonder could probably see it. Um, here's a clip of. Tucker pushing back and saying, aren't you worried that China is going to be even worse than the United States? Like, are you sure you want to align with China? Here's his answer. Colonial power. I mean, are, is the, the, the BRICS, for example, in danger of being completely dominated by the Chinese, the Chinese economy uh, in a way that's not good for their sovereignty? Do you worry about that? <laughs> Well, we have heard those boogeyman stories before. It is a boogeyman story. 
We're neighbors with China. You cannot choose neighbors just as you cannot choose close relatives. We share a border of thousand kilometers with them. This is number one. Second, we have a centuries-long history of coexistence. We're used to it. Third, China's foreign policy philosophy is not aggressive. Its idea is to always look for compromise, and we can see that. So, obviously, the full interview, there's a lot more, but Tucker's like, aren't you afraid of what China's doing? And he's like, listen, they're our neighbor. We see in their past that they're not looking to do all this stuff. And he's basically suggesting that he trusts China more than he trusts America. And this is from a philosophical standpoint, not just us as people and individuals, but us as a nation state. Um, you know, we need to get better. I don't trust China. I don't trust Russia, but they're probably more trustworthy with each other than we are. Like who, who trusts America? And he talks about this all the time in the interview where he's like, America uses force. America uses sanctions. It's true. Not saying that we're wrong with every single thing that we do, but it's like, we're not, and maybe China and Russia aren't either. And he's able to kind of skirt away and look like the hero or whatever, when he does a lot of messed up stuff too. I'm sure that's true. But at the same time, it's like if you look at America, when's the last time you felt as an American citizen, as a patriot, as somebody that likes this country, that America's going all over the world being ethical and moral and just striking really smart deals? You, you see sanctions, you see war, you see the overthrowing of leaders, you see more sanctions. That's like economic warfare, like, you know, making poor people poor and then the rich people don't pay for it. Like that's what Ron Paul used to say, where he's like sanctions are, you know, basically, I think he said it's taxing. I don't I don't remember what the, the the thing was, but it was like basically the rich in those countries are not suffering. It's the regular people that suffer at the behest of that. But, you know, it's. He makes a lot of sense in this interview, and it, it, it would be so great to prove him wrong and be like he's wrong about every single thing that he said. But America needs to get more trustworthy. I'm not saying we have to be stupid or weak or naive. Weak and naive is San Francisco. Weak and naive is New York City. Weak and naive is the border. Weak and naive is like every liberal city in the country. I'm not asking to be weak and I'm not asking to be naive. And I'm, I don't want to be weak because America weak is like the end of America. We need to be strong, but moral and trustworthy and ethical. And then if someone unethical tries to step to us, then we step back. But we're not really that. So when we point the finger at China and Russia, we're going to eventually start losing those battles. Maybe not quickly, but as somebody that likes America, you look at China, right? They have a nation state where they want young boys to be strong. Like the stuff that they allow on American TikTok, it's not allowed on China TikTok. They have more censorship, but so does America. What is America censor and what is China censor, right? I'm not envious of their system, but I got I got my whole TikTok deleted. I had hundreds of thousands of followers, tens of millions of views. I think I'm a pretty good influence in, in the sphere of everything. I'm not perfect by any means, but you listen to some of the music out these days. I would consider myself a great influence compared to some of these degenerates, which I used to be in my 20s as well. I'm not like above it. I'm just saying um, I'm putting out these messages. I'm always like thinking about what I'm saying. I'm thoughtful. I'm not too opinionated when it comes to my TikToks. And I'm, I'm putting out information that I've fact checked and I know it's real. They deleted my whole TikTok, but they'll allow women to show off this and that. If you go to China, they're they're not allowing women to wear certain shirts. They're they're like trying to make their men smart. And in America, they'll delete a page like mine, but they'll allow 
grown men that are 45 years old make TikToks and Instagrams telling like 12 year olds to transition their gender and take hormones and take pharmaceutical pills. So like America is disgusting at this point. And that's not saying China's right or perfect and Russia's right or perfect, but America is disgusting. Like what, what we're doing, they censor people like me. They try to make it so I can't make a living in this country. I do, unfortunately for them, but they don't like that. You know, there's probably hundreds of organizations, groups, and and sadly, probably even deeper than that, that wish that I couldn't make a single dollar doing what I'm doing. And they use their power in corporations to make sure that I can't get sponsorships. I can't do that. I can't do this. You know, they're going to harass me for the rest of my life for just being a good American. I'm not saying that these countries are perfect, but like, how are we the shining beacon of the world right now? We treat our citizens like shit, the borders wide open. And if anybody tries to make America better, our own system just shits on them, where in China and Russia, they're using the power of the state to try to. I'm not saying they're perfect or ethical about it, but they're they're trying to like make young boys strong and make great athletes. And in America, it's like, oh, just pretend you're a different gender and take pharmaceutical pills for the rest of your life. So big pharma can make two million dollars off you as you grow boobs. It's like, oh, yeah. And, and we're and we're going to spread morality to the whole world. Right. It, it's totally those other countries. So. It, it, it's it's a travesty how far America's fallen. And I think it's up to American citizens to figure this stuff out before it's too late because it's starting to get really weird. And all you need to do is walk around any major city in America, especially that with a Democrat leader, walk around that city and ask yourself, is this better or worse than it was six years ago? Is this better or worse than it was 10 years ago? Is anything improving or why is everything declining when we have so much money? Because our leaders don't care about us. Like, you know, our job in America, we need to fix ourselves. The only way to beat Russia and beat China is to fix ourselves. At the current trajectory of what we're doing, we're going to lose over time because we're so immoral and disgusting and weird. And that's not an advantage that we have anymore. I think we used to. Now we don't. If we can make America what it could be, then we have this advantage that they can't. Then we have this freedom and liberty that we don't have freedom and liberty right now. Republicans are passing speech laws for a foreign nation. Democrats don't want you to do anything. Both parties locked you in your house for two months. Like we don't, this is not the free beacon on the hill anymore. And social media sites censor people who like America. Nationalism and loving the country is the biggest threat to liberalism or whatever they pretend to be. Uh, it's, it's nuts. Anyway, he asked him about artificial intelligence and I found it pretty interesting. That's why I put the clip. So here's his answer to AI and ask yourself, do you think that Joe Biden or Donald Trump, but especially Joe Biden, because he's clearly dumber or at least less, less sophisticated than Trump. But do you think any American politician could answer the question like this? I, I can't really think of one outside of maybe like Thomas Massey or something. So when does the AI empire start, do you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're asking increasingly more complicated questions. To answer them, you need to be an expert in big numbers, big data and AI. Mankind is currently facing many threats. Due to the genetic researches, it is now possible to create a superhuman, a specialized human being, a genetically engineered athlete, scientist, military man. There are reports that Elon Musk has already had a chip implanted in the human brain in the USA. 
he says that they're creating superhumans genetically, which may or may not be true. I don't know. I'm not, wouldn't be shocked if it is true. But also, you know, one thing that strikes me about all of the interview, but that too, he has this sense of humility where like, if he doesn't know something, he'll say he doesn't know, which, you know, you don't find very much. Maybe in America, I'm not saying like everybody, because some people definitely have it, but um, maybe our politicians don't he's not afraid to be like, I can't really tell you what's going on. And everybody has to act so sure nowadays. Like they said, like, who do you think's running the show in Ukraine? Or like, why do you think Zelensky can't do that? Or why do you think American politicians can't do that? And instead of acting, instead of being like, oh, this is why, this is why for sure. And being like falsely confident, he, he's like, I'm not really sure. It's kind of tricky. It's hard. It's hard for us to tell. Like, we're not really quite sure why it's going on, but we know that it is going on. And I, I like that about the interview. Like everything is well thought out. Everything is articulate. Everything has historical backing to it. And if he doesn't know and he can't like fully put a finger on it, he'll admit that, which that, although I don't fully trust him, like any world leader, it's easier to trust somebody when they're being honest about certain things. I mean, it's that simple. It's like, you know, when someone comes along, sorry, guys, I know I just realized I had this. I cut myself shaving. I, I didn't realize how red it was now, but I apologize. I look like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. But uh, I was shaving yesterday and I like I cut my nose with the with the razor and it was a devastating situation because it it's, you know, it showed up. But uh, someone said all is looking great. Well, thank you. Appreciate that, Joe. Um, someone said the interview is a narrative builder warning of finance crisis. I'm not going to do too, too much because I want to keep it pretty brief. I think it's been pretty solid so far. That's kind of my takeaway besides what I've already said. Well thought out, really thinks about what he's saying. Um, doesn't just talk or, or, or say phrases or try to make you like, oh, you have to believe me just because like there's always like a reason for why he's saying what he's saying. And the only way to beat this guy is to get a good leader. Like there's we can't beat Russia with like an idiot and he talks about the world leaders because um tucker does ask him he's like so do you think the president of the united states matters and you know he said that he got along with george bush and george bush was way smarter than the media said he was but he said it didn't really matter and he said that he got along with trump but it didn't really matter he said him and trump and him and bush had a good relationship but things kind of you know didn't really change so i don't know I don't watching this interview just really made me want Trump more than more than Biden, though, for sure. Someone said Tucker fumbled by not asking about the last summer coup attempt. I agree. I did see some comments about that. He he probably could have asked about that. Um, but, you know, I I wonder if if Trump does win the election, obviously, he's like a better representation of America. But you really wonder will he fix it can he fix it like what can presidents even do because it does seem like a bigger deal than that and every president is a good talker but do they really have the power to shift this sort of stuff someone said it it's a setup for trump someone said maybe could be i'll read a few comments then i'm gonna roll out probably four minutes since i'm i've said pretty much what i think Someone said, I was disappointed with Tucker. First, he needs to fix his face while listening. <laughs> I mean, come on. Wait, you're going to get mad at his face? That's the Tucker face. He just always has that, like, he looks like a fox in headlights or something. Second, he's too good to have been that nervous. So why was he double talking to Putin? Every time he did it, I yelled. 
Uh, I mean, to each their own. I disagree. I, at the end of the day, him even having that interview is huge. Like him conducting that is ballsy enough. You know, I don't need like an all-star performance from Tucker. It's like just getting that interview out there is a historic uh, success in my view. Could he have asked more questions? Sure. Like some people will say he should have pushed more. Others will say he pushed too much. At least he did it. You know, I, I would say he exceeded expectations because I never thought he would even do that. So someone said he didn't have his mouth open like other interviews, very tight lipped. I appreciate the information. You know, I appreciate that he got it, had it, put it out there. I, I'm not going to complain. People think I'm like a dick sometimes because I, I can seem like I'm a huge critic of everything. It's just that everyone's so fake. It's not my fault. I, I'm just accurately analyzing that everybody's fake and most people are lying. But when someone does an interview with Putin, like I didn't expect that. I don't need that. I didn't. I don't deserve that. You know, like none of this. He didn't have to do any of that. So just the fact that Tucker sat down with Putin for two hours it's a massive W. I think I think Tucker can literally sit and do nothing for the rest of the year and I won't bother him because that alone, you know, makes any weird thing that he did in the last five months like not matter to me or but whatever. You know, sure, he could have asked more or not asked more, but that alone, he just gave us two hours of a foreign leader talking that that we don't have access to that no one wants to allow to talk. And it's not hard to see that, like say he he says he wants to strike a peace deal it's not hard to see how that's true. Like he wants to figure out some negotiation and the U S and Ukraine don't, they say they don't want him because they don't want him to take certain stuff, but that's what an, a negotiation is coming together and figuring out a situation. You know, he calls Ukraine a satellite state. That's obvious. I mean, are, are we pretending like that's not true? The 2014 revolution, if you look it up, it's called like the revolution of dignity on Wikipedia and hundreds of people died. You know, they say in America that January 6th, was a insurrection when it was just a bunch of Trump supporters like freaking out over like QAnon talking points and Trump saying Mike Pence. And some people did some stupid stuff. I'm not saying they didn't do any stupid stuff, but like it wasn't like a, a insurrection attempt. It was like a protest got turned into like a semi riot turned into like a semi QAnon shaman, you know, tour guided tour by the police. It wasn't like that crazy. Um, the revolution in Ukraine was that crazy. I think hundreds of people died like it was like a real thing. And then a leader came in that was favorable to the West. Are you going to sit here and tell me that we didn't want that to happen? Like we're right on Russia's doorstep supporting a leader that's against him. Like it, it would be like if China interfered in Mexico or, or wanted a Mexico and like got a leader there, like right on our doorstep. And then they start flying to Mexico saying like, we're going to arm you with weapons and fight that. Like that's what we did in Ukraine. There's videos of Lindsey Graham saying that stuff years ago before Trump got in. He's in Ukraine, like saying they're giving him weapons. And like we I'm not saying that Putin had to invade, but acting like that didn't happen is insane. It's like completely ridiculous. So why did we do that? I'm not really sure like what they thought they were going to do or what they want to do or if they even care, because at the end of the day, if you get one hundred billion dollars in Ukraine from government taxpayer aid, where did all that money go? I mean, like who's tracing and tracking that money? I'm sure some of it went to war and weapons, but I'm sure some of it got swallowed up, you know, and it's like this country, I'll, I'll end on this note. This country is awesome, but it's like so corrupt at this point that it's just so obvious. 
And it's the propaganda that's that's ruining people from from figuring it out and electing leaders that can actually solve it. And for the sake of this interview, because on this topic alone, I believe that Democrats are more brainwashed than Republicans. I've criticized Republicans more than Democrats these last two years, not because I think Republicans are worse. It's just because Republicans are annoying me because like when they're brainwashed and the left is brainwashed, now nothing matters. You understand? That's why I criticize the right more than the left, because if the Republicans are brainwashed, too, and they don't realize it now, there's no opposition. The opposition's controlled. The opposition's running circles like it's over. But for the sake of this interview, I do want to criticize the left. Like when it comes to the Ukraine thing, the left that uh, thank you, Hyper Beast, for the two dollar like Swedish little money you're throwing at me. You're throwing pennies at me. I appreciate it. But uh, I got to finish this and I got to run. I got to do a UFC interview. But anyway, um, I forget what I was saying now. So you see, when you throw your Swedish money, save your Swedish money. Don't throw it at me. It kind of confuses me. But uh, sorry, I had a point to what I was making. Can someone remind me what I was saying before the Swedish guy threw a dollar seventy-five and change in my face talking about Bolsheviks? I appreciate the super chats, by the way, but it did it. Oh, the left and the right, yeah, yeah. So you know, the left is way more brand. Thank you for the super chats. You know, I'm so grateful. I'm gonna go spend that on a freaking like half candy 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 bar and throw it in the garbage. But anyway, um, the left is so brainwashed over this Russia Ukraine stuff. Like I, you know, and. I think it roots from five years of like Trump, Putin, Trump, Putin, Trump, Putin, Trump, Putin. You know, they've been they've been doing this since 2015. And then they spun the narrative to make it like left and right. And it doesn't even make sense. One thing that annoyed the crap out of me besides everything was, you know, they censor so much on Facebook. Right. And there's some sort of like, uh, I don't know if it's like um Ukrainian group or neo-Nazi, or I'm not really sure what it is, but the symbol was banned. I don't even know what the symbol was because that's not me. You know that? Like, I have no idea about that stuff. But in general, they banned the symbol. And then once America started getting involved in the war, they flipped the ban on the symbol. So it's like, how much do they even really care about these groups? They talk about how bad these groups are. They call Trump supporters these groups. They call everybody these people. And then the actual people that actually exist and use those symbols now are getting funded by U.S. taxpayers. And all of a sudden, these racist, horrible Nazi symbols, according to Facebook, are allowed because there's certain Ukrainian soldiers or rebel groups using those symbols. So it's like this just shows you right off the bat if liberals were paying attention and they didn't just hate Trump. It's like, do you not notice that none of these words or symbols or groups or anything that they tell you about, they don't care about any of them. They'll fund any terrorist group, any rebel group, any extremist group in another country to achieve means and then act like everybody here is doing it. Like they do exactly what they're claiming others are doing. They're the ultimate hypocrites. I mean, that was super annoying. But, you know, when both parties are so brainwashed, nothing could get done. It's just you know, I've criticized the Republican Party probably like 150 times in the last two years. And I just want to let people know that Democrats are way more off with this topic, because although the Republican Party establishment, which is like all of them, they're in on this stuff, the Republican base is not. The Republican base is for peace. The Republican base doesn't see the need to send hundreds of billions of dollars to a foreign country uh, in order to just destroy the U.S. petrodollar, essentially, and get people to stop using it. And like that point is true. Over the last couple of years, because of what we did with Russia, we forced them off the petrodollar. We forced a lot of alliances that they're being made with China. Like we're not going to fight China and Russia. China and Russia are not going to like they're allowing this little 
proxy war so Americans can just make money off it like the politicians. But if we try to like seriously fight America and Russia, do you think they're just going to like lay over? Like, I don't want to fight anybody, but we can get away with stuff in the Middle East and stuff over here. But you take on these two countries together, that's tough. There's a lot of people. I mean, China has like 1.2 billion people there. It's a lot to, to do. Uh, so what are we really accomplishing? Like, I think at this point, this is my guess because I don't really know. I think America thought they would win harder or something, and they're not. So they just don't want to stop it. And I, I don't know. Like, look at Afghanistan. It lasted for 20 years. 20 years. For what? We spent a trillion dollars in Afghanistan just to give it back to the Taliban. That was like America. We got beat somehow by the Taliban. I don't even know how that works, but maybe they were just disciplined and determined. And we're in another country and we don't really know exactly what we're doing. But 20 years later, trillion dollars later, we just hand the country right back to the Taliban who had it before we got in. So it's like, is that going to happen in Ukraine? And I don't get how people don't see this. They'll be like, oh, it's pro-Putin. It's like we just literally left Afghanistan for 20 years and gave it back to them. What if that happens in Ukraine? What if we spend trillions, trillions of dollars? A billion is a thousand millions. Visualize that with me real quick. A billion is a thousand millions. A trillion is a thousand billions. If we waste a trillion dollars over the course of 20 years and just hand a country back to other people, we can't fix Afghanistan. We can't fix Iraq. We can't fix the Middle East. And honestly, Ukraine and Russia, we're, we're in, in putting ourselves in a battle that's been going on for a minute. For what? To destroy our own currency and, and get people to not trust us anymore and, and start working with China? I'm not doom and gloom. I think our currency will do fine. Thanks to uh, people like Javier Mali, who's, in my opinion, a total phony. But, you know, God bless the guy. He's libertarian. I wish him luck. But he's like giving his whole country to the U United States. He's like, what type of libertarian would want to implode their own currency? Go look at U.S. dollars versus Argentina. He purposely imploded his own economy in order to switch his currency to the U.S. petrodollar. What kind of libertarian would do that? You know, like a real libertarian would be like, hey, let's do our own currency and like be, you know, outside of the banks. Javier Malis flying to foreign countries, crying and giving his whole money to the U.S. petrodollar. Like that's <laughs> I'd, I'm just saying I'm grateful for that because I want uh, I, I, I want America's petrodollar to be good. So thank, thankfully, we have globalists like uh, Javier Mali who are just handing their country to the petrodollar probably helping our currency stay afloat. So if they're doing bricks, then we got to get we got to get the fake libertarians in Argentina. Someone said Anomaly Zadushi, he, he cried when someone gave him money. I appreciate the pennies that he threw at me, $1.45. And no, I'm just joking. I, I mean, he knows I'm kidding because he's from Sweden. And I thought he gave 20 something. I looked it up one time and it was like $1.75 or something. And it was just like a funny joke. But uh, no, I'm I it literally I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't have a fake bone in my body. So I, I saw it. I wanted to say thank you. And in my head, it's like it's not worth getting messed up over $1.75. But that's not his fault. He didn't know I was on a rant. So, yeah, you know, save your money then if you if you think that I'm uh, douchey about it. But thank you to the super the $20 super chat, Jay Case. He said, thanks, Anomaly. Get some lunch. My treat. Appreciate you. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate it. That You know, he's got... I'm. I'm not a cheap prostitute, okay? If you're going to throw me off, it's got to be worth it. It can't be for, for a few shekels here or there. But no, I'm just joking. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this video. 
God bless you. I got to go do a UFC interview and I'm grateful for even a penny. Okay. I'll take my penny and I'll, 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 I'll transfer it for a Bitcoin and then I'll have 0.00000001 Bitcoin. And then I'll tell everybody that I have that much Bitcoin. So they know how cool I am like a vegan. Thank you guys. I appreciate all the support and all the love. I'm sorry for my hilarious money humor. I will repent and come back and beg for coins. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you for my freestyle. I'm sorry. I'm so rude. I'll, uh, I'll repent. I'll be, uh, I'm going to come back a change, man. Thank you. Hey, what's going on, my friends? Just a few ways to stay in touch and support if you'd like to. The first way is dreamrare.com. We have blue beanies, black beanies, pink hats, other colored hats, freedom versus tyranny shirts, stay blessed long sleeve, God is great long sleeve, and lots of more cool items coming soon. Dreamrare.com. Check out the shop to support. Everything's made in the United States. Handpicked by me. Patreon.com slash rare talk for $5 a month. You can help support me. Support the show. If you haven't noticed, unlike other channels, I don't work with very many sponsors, sometimes none at all. And part of the way I'm able to do that is with the dreamrare.com shop and patreon.com slash rare talk. So thank you guys for keeping this show free, unimpeded, uninterrupted. I'm forever grateful.